All right, so hello everybody and welcome once again to another episode of the Make Life Better podcast. And today is an interesting topic as we touch on and dive into topic of cybersecurity. And oh boy, what a mouthful that can be. And today I'm really happy for someone to get me through all of this, uh, what I'll say is complexity, not only in the topic, but of course in the solution and how you, you help your, your company um, uh, battle the threats that, that we're starting to see out there more and more. So Evan Rice, welcome to the, uh, the Make Life Better podcast. Uh, Evan is a vice president of information technologies here at CCI Systems. Evan, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Joe. You bet. So let's just jump right into it. Um, you had recently done uh, a blog for us, and it's currently on our, our webpage at uh, www.ccisystems.com. little selfish plug in there. but um, And and it's it was titled The Three T's of Cybersecurity Strategy, Tactics, Talent, and Tool Sets. So I know in the beginning you, you started talking about and describing, and, and I think this is evident, how much spend that companies are, are looking to, to put into the market this year and already have, frankly, on, you know, defending themselves, protecting themselves from the, the threats that are out, are, are out there. So are you seeing that today already? Like a lot right. of conversation about that? You know, the, 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 the general consensus of, from the experts that have done all the surveys is that, you know, there's a, about a 25% compounding annual growth rate for cybersecurity spend you know, over the next, call it eight to 10 years, you know, taking it from, you know, just just in cloud security solutions, just the cloud component of it going from a little over half a million dollars to being one and a half billion dollars by 2023. So, I mean, that's incredible growth in the cybersecurity world. And, and that's just one area of the cybersecurity. We're seeing that across the board. Yeah, of course. Everybody is, right? I mean, all you have to do is turn on the, uh, the, the news and you hear something about a hack or something that's going out there. So, um, uh, boy, clearly need to to look into this. So it was interesting your approach on on the article that you wrote, um, the three T's of cybersecurity strategy, and and we talked a little bit about the importance of that topic. But let's dive into that. So you're calling out tactics, talent, and tool sets as those three T's. Why are those so important? Let's start with tactics. Sure. So. Really, when you talk about cybersecurity, what, what you're looking to do is implement a strategy. So you, you've got a strategy put into place, but how do you how do you stay strategic and know that you're focusing in the right areas? And the, the three pieces of a solid strategy are the tactics, the talent, and the tool sets. And, and where that really comes in tactics is, you know, how what are you what problems are you trying to solve? What risks are you trying to mitigate? What approaches are you going to do there? How much money can you afford to spend on this? What do you take on first? that kind of roadmap level assessment stuff. Talent is you can't do anything if you don't have people that can get that done for you. You know, it really comes into how do you get resources? And, and there's a documented cybersecurity resource, you know, supply chain problem right now, as far as getting people into chairs to do this work for companies. How do you find the resources you need? How do you get the expertise? How do you do it without breaking the bank? Cause these guys are expensive. Um, and then isn't that the truth? Like everybody's expensive today. I mean, you, you can't hardly keep a restaurant open because there's nobody available. So right. Much less the guy that's protecting your company from, you know, from, you know, attacks like we're seeing in the news so much so recently. And then the last part is the tool sets. 
tool sets piece can be overwhelming completely for a couple different reasons. One, there's a million different options. Two, you don't necessarily know which ones, which, you know, which type of tool you need, much less which vendor you should go with. Not all tools are created equal. There is a lot of overlap. And what you find is companies tend to go the wrong direction and they start with a tool and they don't have somebody to implement it effectively or they don't have a tactic that that tool is necessarily supporting. And so what I talk about in the, in, the, in the blog post is really starting with tactics, moving into talent, and then focusing on tool sets once you have those other two pieces in place. Um, it's going to help you eliminate technical debt. It's going to help you see through sort of the, the security tool set snake oil that might be out there with you know, you know, software vendors and, and, you know, firewall manufacturers telling you that all you need is this, this piece of equipment or this piece of software and you're secure because the reality is it's just not true. Well, and those 12 questions that you put out in the beginning of, of the article, I'm going to read through them just because I think this really sets the stage for, for where you're going. But um, you're pointing out kind of these questions that you need to at least ask before getting started on adopting a cybersecurity strategy. And that's one, why do you need cybersecurity? What are you protecting? What is the value of what you are protecting? How should it be protected? What does winning look like? How do you build the team? How do you know what skills you need? How can you leverage your existing staff? When are third parties a good option? What tools do you need? How do you minimize the technical debt? And then I think you just kind of mentioned how to avoid security snake oil. So after just reading those 12 questions, but I'm like, I think I'll take the risk. Let's let's just not. <laughs> Maybe we'll make it another year. That's probably not the right approach, right? Yeah, let's just get into stick sharpening as a business or something, right? Something that no computers, we're just going to whittle. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, obviously the tactics. So build that plan for success. So walk me through those steps that that are included in tactics. Yeah, so there's there's really kind of four steps there that I like to think about it. It's the first one is really knowing your business needs. So the there are you know groups that'll go out there that be like, this is how you implement security. And it's the same for everybody, it's what you got to do. Well, and the answer is not every business is the same, not every business has the same priorities. A manufacturing business needs to look at a different approach than you know uh, a construction business or a professional services business. The, or even a software development business, right? Those the, the the attack vectors and the things that generate money or create risk are are different. So it's really coming in and doing a business impact analysis and understanding what processes and systems at your company are the most critical, and focusing your your strategy and your protection on those systems first. You know, if a manufacturing company's got a control system that is what keeps their people working and what generates their revenue as their widgets and gadgets roll off the line. Having that be ransomware and shut down for a month might be really, really bad. Right. Where, you know, they, they might have another system that catalogs their cleaning supplies and that maybe they can live without that for a period of time. So which system do you need to protect? And some of that seems like common sense, but in a complex modern business with a lot of systems, and an IT department that doesn't always understand the business impacts, making sure you understand that's a, a top piece. And then leading into that, it's it's know your systems and your data, right? So this is where doing a having an enterprise architecture team to create system standards so that you know that the the tools and the the things that you're going to onboard meet minimum security standards, even down to like subcontractors. Are, do your subcontractors do background checks on their employees? 
you know, are, are the people that you're bringing in through those relationships, are they as secure as you are? Having those standards and putting your systems up can create a gap analysis for you to focus remediation, especially on those critical systems you already just identified. And then understanding what type of protection you need. You know, you're going to manage protection on an HR system that's got all of your employee data in it. A little different than maybe, you know, the the system that cataloged everybody's lunch order for the upcoming team event. You know, like there's the, the type of data that you have or the availability or the, you know, so it's that CIA triad that so many people talk about in cybersecurity becomes a component of that too. Um, knowing your rules. Cybersecurity legislation is changing so fast. Um, you know, it's kind of, there's been some overarching federal things in place for a long time in certain industries with HIPAA and, and you know, and some of the data processing requirements of Sarbanes-Oxley, but starting with the California Consumer Protection Act, passing privacy legislation is changing constantly. It's different in every state. How does a company that's in multiple jurisdictions possibly keep it all straight? Sometimes one state rule actually conflicts with another state's rules and there's no way to be compliant in both. Um, how you manage that. So understanding your rules, you know, are, do you work for the DOD? Do you have to worry about, you know, those types of things? So knowing your rules and the legislation, I think something like 26 states passed bills last year that had some form of cybersecurity component to them. Sure. Um, and I guarantee they're not the same, you know, so that that regulatory landscape is fluctuating so much. One of your tactics is figuring out a way to understand that. And lastly, is building your plan, knowing what your existing protections are, what your missing protections are, knowing what your industry is doing, what are your competitors doing? What are your customers expecting of you? Right. Um, and then really looking at costs and how likely they are to shift gaining executive buy-in so oddly enough or or maybe not oddly at all because i know you've been through this when you sit down with somebody that is interested in finding a cybersecurity solution this whole first section of tactics really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the actual solution or cybersecurity it's really prioritizing what's most important to your business and then even getting a little bit deeper like do we have a full understanding of state law, federal law requirements? Um, do, you, do you are most caught off guard by that? I mean, the detail you just went through right there seems like if you're not in a place or position to be able to communicate those key areas to somebody that's trying to help protect you, you might go down the wrong path. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for a long time, this is changing. Cybersecurity was something that executives and management said, I don't know, talk to the IT guy, right? right. They, they expected cybersecurity to be something that was handled by the nerd behind the curtain, right? right. And, and that's not a valid approach anymore. Cybersecurity training is something that every employee at a company should be going through. And these approaches to it, what we're seeing is a kind of, a, a a convergence of cybersecurity and corporate risk management and saying, well, my IT guy's dealing with my cybersecurity, so I'm just going to focus on customer acquisition risk or customer loss risk or some of the kind of standard things that you're doing from a risk management standpoint. You know, and in the last year with all the impacts from COVID and the companies distributing and doing it quickly and, and, and maybe leaving things open, we're seeing more and more um, we're seeing hackers take advantage of that fluctuating nature in the environment. And, and yeah, it's, it, 
educating executives on the idea that security is not something someone's going to take care of you for, but it has to be a corporate program and a culture is a huge component to being successful. I can definitely see that. So when you go through that, when you summarize all these things and you have agreement from that executive team, it's got to be um, quite a, a great first step, correct? Yeah, it, it's a great first step. And really what it does is, and this is why you really want to start with tactics, right? Because it sets the idea that here's the tactics, here's the, here's what we're protecting, here's why we're protecting it. And it gives you the ability to say, and now I need these resources and talent or in tools to protect these and look how valuable they are. And it, it really makes that conversation for cybersecurity become a lot easier from, from an IT perspective. It used to be IT guys, we need this. And the, the you know, the executives being like, yeah, go wear your tinfoil hat somewhere else. But when you have that business application and, and the justification there and you know the rules and, you know, there might be laws. We're breaking the law if we don't do this. Do you even know that? You know, it's really important. Well, very good. So that leads up to the second T and that's talent. Um, obviously, you, you've developed some of those needs and requirements through that. Uh, the first tactical conversation. Talk to me about how you find the right talent and, and what that looks like. I mean, I'll tell you what, talent's a tough one right now. Cybersecurity talent is uh, hard to find at the moment. Everybody wants it. Um, they're pricey. These, you know, these guys are really talented technical people that know how to do what you need to be done. Um, there's programs out there and, and universities are getting involved, industries getting involved where we're trying to get more cybersecurity professionals into the field, but it's definitely a, a great field to be in if you're interested in that. But Really, from a talent standpoint, I break it down into sort of three groups as you're looking to implement a program. There's the classic cybersecurity red team. These guys are the guys that are living sort of current attack vector world all the time. The red team is going to come in and they're going to look at vulnerability assessments. They're going to look at current attack things that, you know, current threats they're going, to, they're going to know the regulations. They live in that world. They're going to be able to advise you on a lot of that. They're going to be able to help you manage an incident if the worst should happen. They're going to be able to do all of that kind of stuff. And that's really important, but most businesses don't need people to do that constantly all the time. Really large businesses have an internal red team because they have enough breadth of system. They have enough threat landscape where they need that full-time VC so and a team of red team experts that are doing penetration testing, they're doing vulnerability scanning constantly across their environment. They're just that big. That's not most of our companies, right? That's not a lot of the people that, that you know that CCI works with or even ourselves. So finding a, a, a third-party partner that you can bring in fractionally to get you the resources you need to help you guide your tactics and fill those gaps as you're progressing gets you kind of the right talent at the right time. Without does it, does it point you in the right direction? They kind of get that, they're the base, right? I mean, they get things moving on the in the right path. And 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 I think you're, you're very correct in saying that most don't have that skill today. I mean, they, they don't employ it because it, at least today, not seen as a, a constant need. Right. And and it and as your program matures, the skill set of the red team shifts a little bit. So going out and hiring, you know, a red team, first of all, it's very expensive. Secondly, that set of people and those skill sets on day one of a of standing up a, a comprehensive cybersecurity journey is not the same skill set you're going to need at the end of year one. Because right. the program's matured, that you're you're getting down into finer and finer detail, you know, eliminating more and more risk 
So the, the, the red team organizations that are out there, the third-party red team partners are great because they have a full bench, all the capabilities, and they're going to pull the right, the right player out at the right time to give you what you need, and you're not carrying the overhead of that skill set. Right. Um, so that's, that's really key um, from the red team standpoint. But again, I think where, where the red team comes in is sometimes maybe you do want a red team lead at your company. Maybe you want a full-time VC. So who's just the top guy who knows all this or not a VC. So just a, a top line CISO. And then you outsource the red team, or maybe you've got one or two internal people who you want to be on the red team with the third party consultant. So you keep some of that institutional knowledge. Staffing becomes a, a component and every company's approach is a little different. Just to quickly interrupt, uh, explain CISO just for yeah, someone so, that might. Yeah, the chief information security officer. So it's it's the head um, executive level security voice on a, you know, at a company. And m many places, especially smaller companies, a CIO may also wear a slash CI, a CISO hat um, if they've got the skill set for that. But a lot of the red teams also offer a fractional CISO, a, a VC, so a virtual chief information security officer where you get enough of that person's time to advise your executive team on red team activities. Do you see certain size companies that um, you know, gravitate towards having some of those people full-time eventually? Or, I mean, is it by the by the type of industry, type of business? Does it not matter? Or how many people you have in your company? What does that look like? Honestly, I, I think that the two factors that I see that impact that the most are usually um, size and customer demographic. So where you see people bringing in full-time red teams is large companies and companies that have a regulatory or, or require, like say you build missiles, but you've only got, you know, or you design missiles and you've only got 30 people at your company, you're working for the Department of Defense, you need a full-blown cybersecurity program, you're going to have a, a CISO on staff because of the nature of what you need to do for the, for the you know, for who your customers are. So it tends to be in size and in, in some ways industry or customer demographic. Healthcare, hospital? Health, healthcare and hospitals, yeah. Um, I think, you know, especially big ones are going to have a full program. They're going to have a CISO on staff. I think that some of the smaller hospitals in rural communities like Iron Mountain, maybe they're going to outsource a little bit. And, and you, you might have, you know, a, a CISO who's shared between several different smaller hospital institutions or things like that. But yeah, definitely in healthcare. I'm just thinking and going in the weeds a little bit, but I mean, a company that is either holding or using a lot of outside data, could be names, could be personal information, could be, uh, who knows? Um, I would think there's a little bit more focus in on, on that type of, of Yeah, position. from a regulatory compliance standpoint, I'd say yes. I don't know that, it, I think in that case, it would really depend on how much data they were storing and how big of a company they were whether or not they had a full-time CISO on staff. Um, you're going to see a VCSO in a lot of those situations because most of the time when you're talking about, you know, say it's a marketing company that's collecting customer demographic information, there's a lot of regulatory and legal, you know, constraints on that right now. They're going to have somebody come in and advise them and, and work through that. But those systems, once they're set up, are pretty, you know, uh, I don't want to say static, but they're, they're pretty well-defined. And, and as the regulations change, you're going to have to adjust. So that fractional approach works pretty good for customers like that. Got it. Okay. So, so uh, we have Evan Rice here with us today from uh, CCI Systems. Evan, we're through the red team. So now we've somewhat established, I, I believe, 
technically where we're going to go. Mm -hmm. Now we're going into the blue team. Right. So if you think about the, the red team as sort of the special operations of cybersecurity, the blue team is the National Guard, right? The, the special operations guys, they know where the targets are. They know what all the threats are. They're going to come in in real specific high value situations to do some of that. The National Guard's the guys that are going to go get it done every day on the ground. That's your blue team. They're the guys that are taking the intelligence that the, the red team is gathering and eliminating the risk based on the tactics that you've defined. Oftentimes at companies, your blue team is your IT team. You've got IT staff that know your systems, that are taking the information they're getting from the red team, and they're going out and they're resolving some of that. The, the bad part about that is many companies, their IT staff is doing everything they can to keep users online working with the systems every day. And you're saying, and you need me to do what with security? Or they're not trained in the security principles. They don't have processes in place. They've never done it before. Um, and that can be challenging. So putting together a blue team oftentimes can be a really good blend of existing IT staff and a third party resources if needed or potentially staffing up. Got it. So, um, and you've been through that yourself. You've, you've Absolutely. Yeah. Trying to keep everybody happy on their day-to-day -day issues that they have with their PC or whatnot or the network. And now all of a sudden you have to set train on uh, security. Not an yeah. easy task. I mean, and, and change can cause risk, right? So, you know, the old way of doing it is once it's up and it's passing data and that machine's chugging along, don't touch it. It ain't broke, don't fix it. And the answer is, it isn't broke, but it can be broken, and so you need to fix it. And and so there's a lot of IT guys that really struggle with the idea of, well, why would I proactively patch my network every time I touch it, it breaks? And then I get then I take outages, and my boss is barking down my throat. So, but in the security world, if that device has a known exploit on it, and it's critical for your company to keep that thing up and not open it to hackers, you need to be sure you're patching that. You need to be sure you're managing that. That's just one example. And that's what the blue team does. They build processes to make sure that you are doing the things you need to do, implementing the tools you need, have the procedures in place, but you're not impacting the business. And that's a fine line to walk. There's times when you're going to make a change for security and you're going to have to take an outage of a few hours and your operations people are going to not enjoy the amount of change they have to meet. And, you know, and that's where the executive buy-in and the culture of security can help overcome some of those hurdles. Sure. And, and I, you know, I feel bad at times for, for everybody in IT that deals with pretty much negativity every day. There's something not working. You get the joy out of fixing it, but adding in a little security and changing things on a, a regular basis and then not keeping up with employee satisfaction versus the outside customer satisfaction, which many of us think of first, can be a disruptive uh, uh, process, I would say, internally if you're not set up correctly and have red team, blue team, and even more coming in this area. Absolutely. And in the blue team, you know, CCI's blue team program that, that we work with our customers on our blue team expert program, most companies that are standing up a process for the first time, depending on their infrastructure, sure. we've seen it before. Our guys are going to be able to go in there with our, our library of documentation, all the things we've remediated in the past, and be able to really just get some quick fixes in there to get risk mitigated faster and more efficiently and leave the IT guys open to do those customer and, and employee support things that keep your company running and keep you happy. Let, you know, as 
as one of my coworkers likes to say, let IT people do IT things, you know, right. and we can come in and help with the security and flush that out. And, and that's the really great thing about the fractional approach with the blue team side is you get access to a group that's seen a lot. They're veterans. You get as much or as little of them as you need to augment your team. So you're not burning out your IT guys. And that's a big thing too. I mean, everybody's dealing with turnover in the world right now. You don't want to add new responsibilities that they're, that they've not been a priority for before that they're not used to that's outside their comfort zone. So we can come in and help with that. Got it. All right. So we're not done with this section yet. So there's one more group, right? Yeah. The, the, the compliance team is really um, the group that once you have processes and procedures and cybersecurity stuff in place, this is the group that you, you never want the red team and the blue team to grade their own homework. So if you've got a corporate compliance group, you've got a corporate risk management group, you can you could have them take over these duties as well. But the idea is that you're proactively managing the that you're doing what those teams are doing what the companies decided they're going to do. They're adhering to the tactics that was decided upon early. Um, this is particularly important if you have to certify that you're doing that. If you're part of the DoD framework and you need to be, you know, NIST or CMMC compliant, or if you're seeking a SOC 2 certification or an ISO 27001 certification, you're going to go through a formal audit process. Well, you don't want to go into that not knowing that you have the evidence you need to do it. So those internal compliance programs help. And then the other thing is they just help hold people accountable. If, if your policy says everybody's got to take an hour of cybersecurity training every quarter, and you've got people that aren't doing it, they can escalate to management and bring people in to get them into the, those resources and, and the accountability piece is big. It's a lot of sense. And, and what you said earlier as we were prepping for this, um, you know, the order you're putting these in is, is vital. And I can see it right now as far as this discussion, because now we're getting to that third T, that's tool sets. And so if you put tool sets in the front, as many may have in the past, and just already, I mean, I can see that could be a problem. Right. So I've learned this the hard way and I've got lumps and scars to prove it, right? Where you're like, hey, we're not secure. We need this. Mm -hmm. and you go out and you buy a tool and you go to implement it and you realize that it only works for 70% of your use case because you weren't an expert on it and it's not what you're doing or six months in something about your business shifts and it's not as appropriate. And, you know, I'm, you know, in some cases I've seen it done two or three times before you land on the final tool that actually meets your need or, um, and all that does, it's technical debt, it's implementation, it's employee burnout. So using your tactics and your, and your talent to define your tool set and be very strategic about how you acquire tools and which tools you're willing to take on and, and what works for your environment, looking at your existing tool set and determining if those things need to go away to make room for this new one, um, is really important. And without a without experts to help guide you through that process you're gonna you're gonna buy things you don't need um you know i've, I've seen the other mistake too where they're like we need the best and they right. go out they, they buy the, the the biggest strongest you know firewall out there to protect their you know their their two routers and switches you know right. you're buying a cannon to kill a butterfly you know like the, you can right size it as well and make sure you're getting what you need and being as resource efficient as you can I know what you're talking about. I've done that in marketing where I buy the best, biggest, brightest camera possible to take a super picture and I don't know how to operate the thing. Right. Yeah. It's like, that was great. It, it really looked good online, but. Yeah. Uh, and then what are you doing? You're pulling your phone out and using that instead. Exactly. Yes. Right. I got a pile of them over there in the corner. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Very critical. And then once you're done with that, that actually allows for an ongoing cybersecurity strategy, correct? Right. Yeah. So at that point, what you've got is, you know, you've got kind of the intersection of tactics, talents, and tool sets that's creating layers of protection for you and making sure that you're mitigating the risk that's most important to your company with tools that are affordable and solving the problem and with teams that can do it efficiently and effectively in the long term. Got it. Evan, it was awesome. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and uh, looking forward to kind of helping continue to keep us safe as we move forward. Oh, absolutely. And Evan is available for more questions or if you want to get a hold of Evan, you know, come to our website at uh, cci-systems.com. Um, reach out to myself, I'm Joe Smith, or Evan anytime, although, you know, he's getting booked up with speaking engagements and he's writing ebooks and um, he is quite the, uh, the resource for information uh, here at CCI Systems and the industry. So take advantage of that. Please follow up. Like we said, this blog article is on our website today if you want to kind of follow through and, and remind yourself of what we just talked about. But please utilize the talent and information that we have here and feel free to reach out to us. Evan, again, thanks a lot for taking the time uh, to be on the Make Life Better podcast, and I know you'll be back. <laughs> All right, great. Sounds good. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thank you. Bye.